Welcome to episode 108 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Hadamio. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary. Hi. Oh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about Florida Session. Woo, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so much to fucking say. There's well, so much to say. First of all, so we're recording on Saturday. And yes. I set my alarm for 6.30, 6.45, 7 to like oh. get up and go for a run. Oh, did I it woke not up happen? at eight thirty. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, when I texted you, yeah, like, hey, like, I want to come over. <laughs> can I come over early? Can you make coffee? I was like, oh shit, I yeah. totally missed these alarms. But um, yeah. but yeah, I have a lot to say about Florida. Huh? So, <laughs> the fifteen-week abortion ban, which is the copy of the Texas ban that yeah. uh, passed in, in their last session, uh, has passed its first committee. Yeah. So. We're all overjoyed here. If yeah. you've got a pair of ovaries, uh, you got a lot of problems in Florida. It's um, ridiculous. I tried to, uh, I was very upset about it. And my daughter had said something to me and I was like, no, this is this, this awful thing. And she, and I go, don't you care about this? And she goes, I don't care. <gasps> well, well she doesn't care yet. She's young. She doesn't, yeah, understand. she doesn't understand it. Yeah. But like, we're supposed to be fighting for them. Yeah. And then by the time my daughter's, they're not, it's not going to be gonna there be anymore. Gone. Yeah. You know, it's going to be over. And, and the, I, one of the things that I think is the worst of all of this is that it's all these, it's it's all for the news. You know what right. I mean? It's all for the base and it's not about the people of Florida Mm-mm. because Florida has a lot of issues. We have a lot of issues still with COVID. Yeah. A lot of unemployment. We have a housing crisis here. No one can afford to live here anymore. Mm-mm. You know, um, our schools are, I mean, the bills that are passing for our schools that are going to take money away and further restrict and potentially put cameras in the classroom and fine, can't put say it, gay. Oh, can't you can't talk about gay. being gay. You can't talk about history. Can't talk about, yeah, you don't want to make white people uncomfortable. Oh my God. Oh God forbid a white person becomes yeah. uncomfortable with uh, actual real information about the history of this country. Real who, stories, who real are, things. Who are the snowflakes? Ooh, <laughs> I love it. Who? I love it. Is it, it, are we, it's like that thing, who's, am I the asshole? Am I the snowflake? No, you're the fucking snowflake. Yeah. Like you can't talk about race. It makes no sense. I have taught for 17 years and I have taught books that deal with race Mm -hmm. and I have never had a student, uh, a white student feel uncomfortable. And if they did, oh, well, like there's a lot of things and a lot of topics that are going to make somebody uncomfortable at some point. And that's part of learning and growing and talking and understanding how to talk about those things. Yeah. And anytime that I ever brought up issues of race or, you know, if we were doing a text that happened to have like a pejorative language in it, I would spend three days talking about what is pejorative language? What does it mean? Where do we hear it? What does it mean to you? Like having full discussions and kids are open to talking about that. Of course. And that's okay. But isn't that it's even okay. The, isn't that the age where you want to be talking about that? You know? So that they, before they go out into the world, I mean, they're not fully cooked yet. You know no. what I mean? So before they go out in the world, they're actually, you know, equipped with these tools and, and to understand, understand bias yes. and racism and And just how privilege. to talk about these hard topics in a way that isn't charged with anger right like learning how to talk about these understanding where people are coming from and learning empathy yeah like what is wrong with that nothing give me a break it's uh it's a once again it's another session i think this is the third in the row in a row that is concentrating heavily on uh, those topics that are what do they call them they're just like you know um these hot button topics yeah that's it and it has nothing to do with What's actually going to help <laughs> the people in the state of Florida? It's insane. Has nothing yeah. to do with that at all. And nobody, guess what? Nobody really cares about it. I mean, not that they don't care, but abortion across the board, the number I think is like eighty. It's majority people percent, approve of it, which which means that's bipartisan. Yes, right? that people are like, leave abortion alone. Like, like, can we move on from this? This is small group of people that want to control everyone. Yeah, that to me. It is like a, a dictatorship, you yeah. know, like this, they just want the, it's just these Mitch McConnell's yeah. who I'm sure you saw that clip. Ooh, honey. He had some shit going on this week. That's all was on my Twitter feed yesterday with oh I'm an God. American. I'm an American. Cause he's saying the people, I guess it was Ugh. something about the voting rights act. Yes. Right. And how the people uh, that are going to be affected are black Americans. And he said, and what, the, the re- and the rest are, you know, other, um, and he's like, and the rest of Americans, like making the distinction as if, uh, 
black America is different and I, and I or something. Saw, I think it's a quote by Toni Morrison that it's like everyone else in America is a hyphenated American, mm. right? Mm. Except for white people. Right. Give me a break. Yeah. God, you guys. As if that's not done on purpose. So, uh, yeah, it's been a really, it's depressing. And you, you see lawmakers just trying to do like a wrap up of the week. And I'm like, Jesus, how the fuck do they sit through this bullshit over and over and over oh, again? Oh, you posted Anna Eskamani. Oh my God, it was so funny. Uh, so funny. Your, your comment was really good. But yeah, how she sits there. Like, I don't know how they do it listening to these people. And it's all white dudes. Like, yeah. it's like, yes. we be done And with I know, this I don't know how you feel about this. And I apologize to you in advance, but... Uh, I don't fucking care about Casey DeSantis and her breast cancer. And I know she's a fellow woman. Yeah. Like, I know that you're a survivor. But I saw a tweet that she put out yesterday. And she had finished her last chemo. And it's like, here's the bell. It was like a bell they gave yes. her. Yeah. She rang when she did her last yeah. chemo. And it was on top of some books that people had sent. And she's like, now this will be a permanent part of the governor's mansion. And I thought to myself, is there a bell that women have to ring when they're not allowed to get an abortion? Yeah. Is there a bell when they take abortion away and we have to force a woman to have a child or a, a, a child to have a child. Can yeah. we get a bell for that? Yeah. Casey, I'm sorry. And, and people, women lawmakers and other lawmakers across the fucking across aisle retweeted and support her. And I totally get the, the solidarity. Right. right. But also she's not raising her voice to support women no. when her husband and his party are trying to take it away from us. And I don't fucking like that. Are you standing with us or not? Are well, you or not? And the other thing with that, which goes back to what we talked about before, is she's, you know, ringing the bell to bring awareness to breast cancer and the importance of early screening and this and that. And then at the same time with COVID, yeah. oh, hello. it's just like, oh, we don't need to know. We don't need these PCR tests. You, we don't need, you know, we don't need all this testing. We don't need masks. We don't need precaution. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And also, like, I know she's like the first lady of Florida. I guess, I guess that's her title. I have no Ew. fucking idea. But like, <laughs> there, you can be a first lady and have, and support women and, yeah. and have your own issues. But if it's going to be sitting by and talking about this, it doesn't, I, I, I'm sorry, but women are fucking suffering here in Florida yes. and you're sitting by sleeping next to a man who is allowing that to happen. And you want me to talk about a bell? Like, yeah. congratulations. I'm, I'm happy yeah. for you. I, yeah. I hope you survive. No, I know you'll course. survive. Everything will be okay because you have excellent fucking health care. Yes. <laughs> You're yes. going to do just fine. Yes. How about speaking up for the women in this in this state who are going to fucking suffer and have been suffering under COVID? Mothers who can't go to work or have lost their jobs because yeah. they got to stay home with their kids because of a fucking virtual school. Whatever. You, what are you doing? Or, or are sending their kids to school sick because they don't have another option. Yeah. And that happens all the fucking all time. All the time. So I don't know. There's that no me protection. Off. There's no protection. No. I, I I'm know. fucking over it. Um, I, I there's something else I want to say really quick before we get into the stories, unless you have something else. No. I um, just was upset about the school boards. I was at the oh library. My God. It's just one thing. It's just and and I think we were all on this, we were on a, a group chat about um some of these bills. And I had posted in there that this is just, it, all it is, is another Republican grab mm -hmm. to destroy the public school system, which is our right yeah. to have a public school system right. that is functional. And all they want to do is gut it so that they can hand out their vouchers. And then again, it's going to be people with access and money being able to use that voucher and offset the cost of a very expensive school and send their kid there. And where does everybody else go? It just seems it's so, so, it's it, so unfair. It, the thing that's the funniest to me is this. There are so many things they can do that, that would actually help people. Why is school the target? Like, leave public school alone. Give them the money they need to do their jobs. Like, it makes no sense to me. Like, why is this institution something that we're attacking? People are sick here. Yeah. They, they, we've got water that's not clean. We've got sewer water being dumped in the canals i mean there's there's just the environmental things alone in florida yes. need to be tackled 30 fucking years ago but we're going to talk about critical race theory I know. in public school we're going to talk about 15 week abortion bans yes. these are human beings that you are directly fucking affecting there's a girl who uh, was forced to have a, a baby because of the the ban last year and the judge that forced her to have the baby was she, he mentioned her grammar She's not mature <gasps> enough. Her grammar skills aren't good. Oh, Her did a, the oh, way she's talking. Like, oh, the, but, but she because, can have a baby. Because remember, that's what the bill was. The girl, the minor, 
has to go into court right. in front of a judge with, a, a, judge with a guardian or and a who's parent. A, a, an old white guy. Yeah, and explain to, to the judge why she wants to have an abortion as a minor. And, how and he scary. denied her because of the way that she spoke. Oh, God. Okay. That's disgusting. Okay. That's what's happening in Florida. They don't give a fuck about And not about to people. mention with our schools. Like, if you want to focus on schools, how about gun safety? Mm. How about getting rid of that? Because We now, had a mass fucking shooting here a few years uh, ago. How about nobody just, remembers that anymore. How about just two days ago that thankfully oh, yeah. this child walked into a Broward County school. He was uh, smelled of marijuana. And which was the only reason that they decided to search his backpack and they found a gun and a loaded clip. Oh my God. What could have happened that day if they didn't, if he didn't happen to smell like weed that day? Oh my God. Like we have to live in fear every single day of what could happen to our children. Or you. Or the staff or the people that work there. Yeah. No. It's not, it's not right. Like if you're all about protecting our children, like why don't we start there? Mm. Anyway, um. So here's something funny that I don't think I mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but at work, like nobody knows that oh, I have a podcast. Yeah. Nobody knows <laughs> I have a podcast. It's like a totally separate life. And, you know, I've worked there for over 20 years and I'm very much like, I come in and I do my job and I'm like, you know, I'm in charge, but I'm like running this shit, right? Okay. So, and I'm very like this. <laughs> Are nobody you serious? No. Nobody knows this. Oh, I didn't realize that. Like, it's just like funny. Yeah. Funny, yeah. But not like. <gasps> Was <laughs> so I was talking to one of my coworkers, Dennis, and hi he's, Dennis. He's, he's much, much younger than I am. And he <gasps> Hey was, Dennis. Hi. <laughs> and he was telling me about all these things he does on the weekend to like make money or whatever. And oh, he's was, hustling. He yeah, he's got the side hustle. Going. Hustles. And I was yes. like, I was on the computer. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I said, um, I have a podcast. <laughs> 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 he's like, what? <gasps> what? Wait, what? What are you talking about? You have a podcast? I go, yeah. He goes, what's it called? I said, the muck pack. Of course, the phone comes out. He's like, look up and he goes, hundred fucking six episodes. <laughs> he goes, Hillary, what is, what are you doing? What is this? This is crazy. I'm like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And he's looking it up. He's like, oh my God. Like, he can't fucking believe it. And oh, I'm I like, love this. And immediately I was like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah, like, what no, have did I, you I've opened ex- the can Yeah, I've, I've exposed my Superman, like, secret <gasps> <laughs> status. So a couple days go by. He's like, I'm going to listen to this, right? So a couple days go by, and I came back to work from lunch, and I saw his truck there, and I was like, oh, God. (laughs) He's either going to love it or he'll hate it, right? what's going to (laughs) happen? So I go in, and I go, hello? And he goes, is that that superstar podcaster? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, no. And he was like, my God. Hillary? First of all, who is that on the podcast? Like, I have no idea who that person is. No. Is, I didn't even know. He's like, you are like, motherfucker this, motherfucker that. Like, wow. what? Who is that person? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, it is so fucking good. <gasps> like, you guys are so good. You have to keep going. It's so oh, good. Dennis. He's like, you're going to be famous. <gasps> I was like, what? So, <laughs> then, so then I called you because this is like my second time someone's yeah. been like the podcast and you weren't there the first time so uh, I was like I gotta call <laughs> Tina so I called Tina and I put her on speakerphone and she's like hi yeah. like, <laughs> and he goes oh my god that's the girl from the show. <laughs> it's like I was calling Brad Pitt or oh, something and I was like oh, hi, I know hey Tana yeah hi <laughs> it was like such a weird like bizarre moment but then he was just asking he was telling me like he's listening now to all these episodes and he's saying whatever happened with this person what happened and so i'm working he's popping his head out the door and he's going who's ted and i was like oh Oh, i have a crush on him that's my (laughs) safe representative and then like it was like live feedback of listening to the show oh my god tina and then he he was listening to the lauren bobert one on friday when he was at the office and he was like god this woman sounds fucking awful i was like yeah she's the worst she's the worst oh maybe maybe dennis is our somehow like the key of of getting this out to he's telling people yes the young people yeah so please, I mean, my God, I, I have felt the very, words, very spread special. The words, spread the yeah, words. I felt very special this week when I was just like, who's listening to this garbage? And like, he's listening to it, which is Good. so fucking funny. And then I was like, don't tell anybody at work. Like, I, I don't want anybody. To yeah, it's know. so funny with work because I have a couple of people at my job. I think maybe one or two people that know. Mm-hmm. And I don't th- I don't really talk about it at all just because I'd like to keep that separation. Yeah. 
But if someone would say, hey, blah, 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 I would be like, oh, yeah, I have the, I wouldn't be like, oh, no. Yeah. You know, not like at my other place of employment where, geez. Right, right, right. I was scared to death. Yeah. So. Anyway, it's been very fun to get all that. Yes. That, <laughs> that feedback on the show, which yeah. is so good. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got, baby. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. <gasps> all right. <laughs> okay. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of former Stillwater, Minnesota mayor, Ken Hurricky. Mm. So Ken Hurricky served on the city council for the city of Stillwater, Minnesota, before being elected to his mayor seat beginning in 2006. But when the FBI raids his office in 2014, Ooh. the mayor has to answer for his misdeeds. Ooh, Ooh. I love this. Okay, so our story takes place in Stillwater, Minnesota, which is... It's a small city, 18,000 people. Okay. And the city is known for its lumber, which is going to hmm. slightly come into play with a little funny anecdote. I've never been to Minnesota. Have you? No. I, I just think, um, it, I don't know. I just imagine the Fargo accent. That's all I was yeah. just going to say. It's like, I, I, Minnesota? I Minnesota? Yeah. Oi. <laughs> well, no, they don't say oi. What do they say? That's a Jewish. What oh, am I thinking? They, they, I think, oh. Oh, like no, a lot no, of O's? No, what am I? I'm totally out now. Yeah. Where's my Fargo? Well, I wonder if Fargo had like a it's rash a of tourists come to that town when I that movie you. came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Digging for that money that he never found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Steve Buscemi is so good in that oh, movie. I love him. Yeah, me too. Okay, so I don't have much back, uh, background on Hurricane. Here's what I do know. Mm -hmm. So, and this is based on a letter he wrote for Hometown Source in May 2014. And he, in this letter, was announcing that he would no longer be seeking another term as mayor. Okay. So he writes this letter, and he writes that he first met his wife in uh, Uruguay. They were both visiting the country, and I thought this was kind of funny because he's from South Milwaukee and Greendale, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. and she was from White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Oh, so they weird. weren't too far from each other, and they meet on a train, and he has this beautiful story about Aww. she has this long flowing hair, and they... We're like drinking and eating and just have this wonderful time. It's like that and movie they fall before in love. sunrise. Yeah. Oh my God. So at the time in 2014, he had been married for 28 years. He had four children. Yeah. He wrote about traveling throughout Europe and across the U.S. with his family. He talked about the hardships they faced. He noted that his wife had breast cancer and had gone through mm. that and that there was an autoimmune disease. He talked about his accomplishments as mayor and noted uh, that they had done this flood protection um, that he had um, gotten a new armory and fire station. There was this bridge project that I'll talk about in a little bit. And that he had served on the Eagle Scouts Court of Honor for like 20 years or something. Wow. And then he closed the letter. Um, and I guess I'm just a romantic. But he closed the letter. It said, to my wife, Mary, I'm a little older than I was in Uruguay. I'm a little grayer and a little more tired. I still love a little wine, a little song. And of course, that cute girl with the long flowing hair. Oh, my God. From White Bear Lake. Isn't that so sweet? It's very it's sweet. very sweet. And, I mean, he didn't really do uh, the right thing here. And, oh, no. and and there's a couple funny things. But So, Hariki first served on the city council in 2004. He served for two years before being elected mayor in 2006. And Twin Cities Pioneer Press' Mary Devine reported that attorney Tom Brever described him as, quote, a good guy who had been involved in all kinds of community activities. Mm. He was even given an appreciation award in December 2014 for his years of service to the town, according to the Star Tribune. He did have one hiccup during his time as mayor before the major incident. Okay. And this kind of goes to this bridge. I hate when this happens, when it's I like know. a good guy and you, yeah. everybody loves him and all of a sudden you find out so crazy shit. So back in March 2011, the city voted to give the coalition for the St. Croix River Crossing $80,000. Mm -hmm. So the St. Croix Crossing was this bridge project and it dealt with two bridges. There was the Stillwater Bridge and it was a lift bridge. Mm-hmm. And it was built in like the eight, late 1800s. And then in the 1930s, they had like redone it. Um, but it wasn't really safe. So they had to think about something else. So they converted that bridge into like a bike pedestrian crossing, hmm. which would still open for boats and marine traffic okay. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they needed another bridge that was going to handle the traffic coming from Wisconsin to Minnesota okay. to help ease traffic. Um, but by, and it was going to be like a four-lane bridge and all of this. Oh, no. But by September of that same year, the state's auditor office said the city had to give the money back. So they gave this coalition 80 grand. So the whole issue was it didn't go through due process. Okay. So 
there were a couple of things. So the mayor was co-chair of the coalition. Uh-oh. Right? And the coalition, basically the coalition was um, working as a lobbying group. Okay. To try to get Congress to, because a lot of people didn't want the bridge being, the, the four-lane bridge being built because it was, um, that was considered like protected property, oh. you know, um, like a forest land or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. There were people that were like, don't touch it. Like, we don't want yeah. anything built here. And then other people were like, we have to get rid of the congestion. And, you know, so there was, so he was part of this coalition that wanted that done. And they're going to get 80 grand mm. to help lobby and do the things they have to do to get this bridge. And it's a little conflict of interest there since yeah. he's the co-chair of the coalition. I mean, that's. That's voting on giving he, himself no $80,000, right? Good. Not good. So, um, the auditor that one of the recommendations was, uh, quote, if the city decides to contract with the coalition for services directly related to one of the city's authorized functions, mm. the city should use proper contract management procedures to protect public funds. So it needed to be transparent and they were using what was called uh, TIF funds and TIF funds could only, so, I mean, you know how this works. It's everyone's like, well, if you have all this money, but Certain things like there, you could have like a, a million dollars sitting somewhere in the city, but that money's allocated to yeah. parks. Right. So maybe you need something, you know, for roads, but you can't take that money because right. it's already allocated to parks. Right. And like, there's a oh budget. Well, yeah, and that's how it goes. Budgets are created and they're voted on. Correct. Yeah. So, um, so the TIF funds is, they're supposed to be used for public improvement, like building bridges. Okay. But the coalition wasn't building a bridge. The coalition was lobbying. Oh. So, right? So, so you go to a construction firm or something yes, or an engineer. Yes. Got it. And so they're like, you're playing around here. And there was a guy in the city that filed the complaint. He's like, no, this is BS what you're Good. doing. And Good. so then it, the city auditor oh, got involved. This. And so that was like, you know, a little thing, you know, that happened. But the big thing that happened. Oh, my God. I Yeah. So Fox uh, 9 News reported in 2015 that uh, Hariki started his scheme to help this company defraud the government back in 2007. So, like, just when he gets elected mayor. No. So here's how he did it. So basically, he was an accountant. So, you know, a lot of these people, you have your day job, and then you're working on the city commission and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So he was an accountant. He had an accountant, uh, accounting company. Okay. And he offered his services to a company called Model Healthcare. So this company was taking payroll taxes from the people working there, which is normal. But instead of giving those payroll taxes to the government, right. they were keeping what? the money. How can you do that? And this uh, is what I do for a living, by yes. the way. This is part of my job. Well, so this is how he did it. So Hariki, as the accountant going over their taxes and whatnot, he should have ratted these guys out. But instead, he created a shell company no. to hide what was going on and that had control over these bank accounts. And then he also created other businesses to get the employer ID numbers. Oh, my right? gosh. Uh, to file those false claims. And those companies, according to NPR News and the U.S. District Attorney's Office, paid the Belfries. So there were these uh, brothers, the Belfries, that owned this company. Mm -hmm. um, that didn't show up on their tax returns because they're using this other. Right. Yeah. So they. So what happens when the, everybody goes to file their their taxes at the end of the year, like their employees? Is going to show that they didn't receive any of that? Well, I think they that? had like uh, also like fake employers and oh. uh, yeah, I think that they, everything was just wow. fabricated. Wow. So the IRS and the FBI end up raiding uh, Hariki's accounting firm, uh, Customized Payroll Services in March uh, 2015. And I mean, he really did customize that payroll. Yeah. So <laughs> he ends up getting in trouble. So Fox 9 also reported that the prosecutors released this statement regarding Hariki's role. Uh, quote, during the course of the conspiracy, Hariki also incorporated other businesses, obtained employer identification numbers, paid for personal expenses, filed false tax returns, Jeez. opened and used numerous bank accounts for the benefit of the separately charged co-conspirators in order to avoid payment of taxes. Dang. So that company, Model Health Now, was owned by those these twin brothers, like I said, Thurley. This, I don't know why their names just made me laugh, but it was Thurley and Roy Lee. Belfry. I 
God. Like, say that five times. They're really in really bad felt. Fel- you can't. It's a tongue twister. It's a new tongue twister. Parents are really <laughs> fucking around. Oh, my God. So they're considered the co-conspirators in this. And these guys made millions. Yeah. Dude, let me tell you something. Millions of dollars with this these, tax scheme. These, oh, and they also were doing Medicare fraud on top of it. Oh, my God. These yes. uh, PPP loans is a new kind of fraud. Like, yes. what they're finding. Like, these PPP loans were huge for businesses. My company got one. And... We, you can get forgiven if you're, if the business uses it for payroll, you know, payroll, uh, costs and all those things during the pandemic. And we mm. actually got a loan and to be forgiven, you have to, the amount of backup is probably this high. Like I had to wow. like stacked, I had to pull everything, everything we use the money for to, as proof that, which was, you know, you have to prove that you yes. use it to get forgiven. Yes. And we were, we were forgiven for the loan because I had all this backup. There are people getting money, creating companies to get money. Um, Dale Holness's daughter. Hi. Uh, who reacti- <laughs> reactivated a company to get money. I and then mean, he didn't, and then he, during his campaign for Congressional House yeah, District 20, like, I don't know her. Yeah, he did. I don't like, know who the, that is. He did the homer going yeah. into the bushes. I, yeah, I, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really see my daughter anymore. Meanwhile, she's committing fucking fraud. Mm. All right. But the amount of people who have done this and created companies and, and made up all of that backup to get forgiven is incredible. Yeah. And it's, it's, mess, incredible. it's messed up. We're, we're in a crisis. Yeah. And people. there's businesses who we're actually need that money and use so it for gross. a good reason. And this is, this is the kind of shit people I do. Just, yeah. Anytime that you can make a buck people are gonna in a bad way they're gonna try jesus so um like i said they filed these fake medicare claims Mm. and basically it was over a 12-year period so they were scamming from 2002 to 2012 or so good grief and um hariki kind of came in around 2007 and fixed the books basically wow Wow. um were they like mob guys or just no they just own this business and I was I thinking, just, like, did they threaten him? But I guess not. No, I don't. Th- he just no. went along with it because he, he just was getting, went along with it because he was getting money too, right? They don't really say how much he got, but he did have to pay back a lot of money. Ooh, girl. So I just wonder, like, how do you go around spending this money mm. and not being freaked out every day that someone <laughs> is going to bust you? Like, yeah. you know, how do you live a because peaceful life? <laughs> you don't. I they, would be so stressed you know out why? every minute of the day. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way, but I think it's that's the difference between a criminal and a non-criminal. Yeah, they're just Criminals like, are like, fuck it, let's roll the dice yeah. and see what the fuck happens. They, they'll ri- they're, risk, they'll, they're willing to risk freedom, right? Oh and not God. be on the streets and getting in trouble. Than us, we're the poor schmoes that were fucking going to work every day. Schmoes, <laughs> you know, clocking oh in God. day in and day fucking out, like Jesus. I know. What are we doing? I don't. Let's oh, start it. a shell company. Fucking rip people <laughs> off. Oh my uh, God. Just kidding. We're not. No yeah. one's doing that. IRS, don't come looking for me. No, we're not. Okay, so shortly after his office gets raided, Hariki did what many elected officials never do. He resigned from his position as okay, mayor. Okay, thank you, mister. So Michelle Mirren, writing for Press Pubs, notes that in November 2014, he resigned for, quote, unknown reasons. Mm. So folks knew that the office was raided. They knew something was going on, but they don't know the reasons yet. Like, like the indictment hasn't come down. Mm. Like, you know, so everyone's like, oh, he's resigning. Oh, God. And at the time, Mirren reported that the newly elected mayor... So remember, he, he uh, wasn't going to run for re-election. There's this new guy wins. But instead of writing out the rest of his term, he resigns early. Mm. And the newly elected mayor, uh, this guy Ted Kozlowski, mm-hmm. <laughs> had this to say about her, uh, Hariki's resignation. Uh, quote, it's always been out there with his kind of personal issues that mm. something was coming. I think everybody in town, city staff, and the council were kind of prepared for the day he'd make an announcement one way or the other but I don't know. He could just be completely worn out and it might just be uh, needs to spend time with his family. I think the rumor is that something is coming down the pipe legally, mm. but rumors are rumors. Well, Ted. <laughs> rumors are coming Ooh, true today. Yeah, the rumors Holy were shit. true. There was some truth to them. So. Ted, Ted is such a lovely name. I wonder I if he's know. an balding, <laughs> older Jew that I can fall in love with. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I so, wonder if Ted Deutsch has any fucking idea. Like, hi Ted. I think Ted listens. <laughs> Do you think? So? <laughs> Are you listening, Ted? Oh, maybe he'll watch another YouTube video. Oh my god. Maybe he subscribed to the channel and gets notifications. <laughs> Have you guys subscribed? 
<laughs> we are Tina got that GoPro. No Ooh. more video. I don't know who's been watching the YouTube videos, but they are hilarious to me. That's like halfway through. It's like, oh, sorry, your video yes. cut out because we're shitty. We, we don't know don't. what the fuck we're we doing. We don't know what we're doing, but guess what? We have a GoPro. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. And Tina, look at this. We're like professionals. We are so professional. You know, I always do this. We say, like, I, I think know. in the audio in the last one, I was like, I don't want to say we're good. Because, oh, I, I know. <laughs> I, it was so funny. Here we are. Here we go. All right. Oh so. <laughs> um, after he resigns, uh, the vice mayor at the time, Mike uh, Polena, he takes over as mayor, of course, until the new mayor's term begins. So the whole thing is why? Why would Hariki do yeah. this? Like, why? You know, you've had this whole career. Um, you know, you seem to be well-liked by the town. Like, mm-hmm. why? Uh, according to Mary Devine of Twin City uh, Pioneer Press, mm. Hariki claimed that family problems or why he did it. Essentially, the emotional and financial cost of his wife's breast cancer diagnosis. Oh, no. Led him to commit the crimes he did. Oh, my God. And that kind well, of pissed me off. Okay, but. It kind of pissed me you off. You know how like expensive can, this is, No, Tina. I know. But, like, to like to use yes. your wife's illness. Oh, this poor illness, woman. Uh, I don't know. Uh-oh. I don't know. Like, and I'm sure things were very, yeah. you know, stressful. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not discounting that. But mm. I just just like, dude. Oh, God. Um, and I do want to note that some reports, primarily by this uh, Mary Devine of Star Tribune, noted that Hariki's attorney stated that Hariki was unaware of what they were doing. Oh, please. Or I guess the extent of it. But he did plead guilty, and he said that he did all the things they accused him of doing. Oh, wow. But the way that Hariki sort of um, kind of got a lesser... Mm-hmm. Uh, punishment than the other two dudes right. is that he fully cooperated with the I mean, IRS I was and the say FBI. That. I was just going to say and that. And he gave all the dirt on the twins to help ease his own mm. uh, sentencing later on. So the charges, um, one count to, he pled guilty to, one count to defraud the U.S. government. NPR News noted that Hariki was charged, quote, by information. And I'd never really heard that term before. Yeah. Sorry, legal people. Charged by information. And I guess it means that the person charged, um, one thing I read said that they kind of intend to plead guilty and that it's similar to an indictment, but it doesn't go before a grand jury. Instead, it goes before the judge. Okay. So okay. the judge presiding over the case was senior U.S. District uh, Judge Ann Montgomery. So he finally admits guilt. So at first he wasn't really admitting and then he admitted and decided to help out. And he said that his fraudulent um, actions of filing false tax returns and forms cost the U.S. government tax revenue of $1 million to $2.5 million. Holy cow. That's Holy a lot cow. of money. Like it's not like, oh, 100 grand or like it's a lot of money. Jesus. And that's like the tax part. Remember the other guys were defrauding like Medicare and oh doing this other gosh. stuff. So um, according to Divine of Twin Cities Pioneer Press, uh, Mayor Hariki got one year and one day in prison with Mm. three years of supervised release after serving his time. Wow. And he was ordered to pay $2 million to the IRS. He served his time at a U.S. federal prison in Duluth. Mm. And at the time of his sentencing, Hariki had this to say, quote, I do accept full responsibility and I am a better person. Mm. Over the past four years, I've spent many a sleepless night thinking about my decisions. The U.S. District Attorney's Office released a statement on Hurricane's plea as well, and U.S. Attorney General Andrew Luger had this to say, quote, as a former mayor, Mr. Hurricane understands better than most the magnitude and impact of the fraud he helped to perpetuate. Um, by his guilty plea, Mr. Hurricane has taken responsibility for his actions, but that does not excuse his criminal acts. Mm-hmm. The defendant not only violated his accounting license by covering up a tax fraud, mm. he eroded the trust of the residents of Stillwater who elected him to a position of high public office. I love that. I love when the FBI I know. always say, hey, you're, you, you have betrayed yes. the public and the people yes. who voted for you. That's it's so not true. right. No. So there's not much like aftermath, but I did find that he still works as an accountant and he still owns oh, Century Pay. Wow. Um, which I does, bet he does everything on the up and up, Which does payroll services <laughs> and taxes. Yeah. And he served his time, but I was like, man, he's still out there crunching numbers after fudging numbers, like got him in trouble. <laughs> like, man, wow. what? Oh, and his what wife is okay? Is she? Um, I didn't, re- I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. So, um, 
I, I'm sure there's other accountants and other folks kind of working there. And yes. I, and yeah. I would imagine that he is probably, like you said, so on the up and up because oh he God. does not want yeah. Yeah. one number to be wrong. <laughs> no. So I have some points of interest and there were a couple that made me laugh. So one of my favorite ones is from uh, Giles's article in the Star Tribune and Hariki's co-conspicuators, the twin brothers. Mm-hmm. So they they were spending money on all this lavish shit, as you, like we reported in other... Um, Mucks, little mucks, not little mucks. <laughs> no, major no. mucks that we've done. Little mucks are protected. Yes. content. Um, <laughs> um, but he used they used some of that three million dollars to fund the creation of their own reality show. What? Yes, I mean, God, you're scamming the government. Oh my! And God. now you're going to put yourselves on television. See, like, don't you want to be under no, the radar? They're the worst. You're going to be on TV. It's like Bobby <laughs> D. <laughs> I told you, don't buy anything. Yes. Bring that car back with the fur yes. coat. What the fuck are you doing? You're like, fucking yes. take it easy. Take DL it easy on the DL. On the DL. No, we're going to have our Jeez. own TV show. Oh my God! <laughs> like, what in the world? You know what the worst part is? They have to fund uh. their reality show because it's not like anybody's knocking at the door going, "You guys should have a show." Yes. No, they no, create they, themselves. They yes. we, we're so great. We should be on they TV. Think that they're Everybody amazing. should see this. It's so ridiculous. Oh God, what what did their mother do to them? This is the like, Oh my God. God. Well, God. look at the names. So we already know that from the beginning it wasn't going well. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm a star. I'm a star. Put me on TV. Oh my God. Jesus. So I found an old article from Historic Bridges uh, website that talked about a history channel show. So there was this history channel show where like, I guess they go around and look at old bridges mm-hmm. and they go to Stillwater to that lift bridge and oh. they're like, this is unsafe. And oh, so, Jesus. so uh, oh Ricky freaks out because then they have to fix this bridge or like oh, someone's going to get hurt and it's going to be the city's fault. So he decided, TV he shows, decided, TV shows go around busting balls yes. all over the fucking place. So he wanted to change the name from the Stillwater lift bridge to the federal government lift bridge so that they wouldn't get in trouble if it collapsed in yes. the federal government. Was, yes. I was like, what? That works. And then he also wanted to pass like an ordinance. He wanted signage that would go up that would read, quote, this unsafe crossing brought to you by your federal government at work. Cross at your own risk. And he wanted to put skulls in crossroads. Yes. I, I love this guy so much. Now, this is why I'm going to Minnesota. I'm going to go shake this guy's hand. I'm going to do that too. I'm going to put oh on my, my mortgage of this house. I'm going to put Joe Schmo. And then I'm not responsible to pay yes, for it anymore. Yes, so, not oh, my I fault. I'm not so, my fault. It's not my house. It's Joe Schmo's house. Oh I don't my have to God. pay the mortgage here. Oh oh, and God. this this is another hilarious thing I thought. So UPI reported that a Hariki also wanted to change the name of the town's lumberjack festival. So remember I said this is a lumber oh, town. God, I want to go to a lumberjack festival. So yes. the original or the the name for for years and years and years and years and years. Yeah. Was the Stillwater Log Jam Festival, and it was oh. a music festival. Oh like, my God! Right, sounds Gina, amazing. We gotta fucking go to but this. But Hariki got wind that log jam had negative connotations in urban dictionary. So oh, basically it basically means like you can't fully like poop like you got oh. it's still stuck in there oh, and you can't and you can't wipe your, your you can't wipe your butt totally clean. Like it's, you have a log jam. I guess that's Who what he know that. Well he, it's on an urban dictionary. And oh so he God. said, quote, I feel strongly against it because of its connotation. Frankly, I didn't know that existed. I guess there's a whole subworld out there that I just found out about. Bro, Hariki. But your your festival isn't about shit being stuck so in someone's people, ass. It's yeah. it's a legitimate fucking thing. So people, Ooh, the flannel. people were annoyed with it. They were like, "We're a logging community. Hello? We deal with lumber. Like, oh, get my. over it." So uh, it did not pass. Like he tried to pass it, and everyone was like, rude. "No!" Like he's a fucking gross. Yes. Like who cares? Okay, so, wait. Let's think about this festival for a second, yeah. just really quick. Oh, like lots of flannel. Yes. Strong <gasps> shoulders and Ooh, arms. You know they're throwing like the axes, yeah. doing like some those sweat, games. Some oh, sweat, like hey. some boots. Yeah. Ooh. Smell of wood. Ooh. Cold beer. Okay, let's go. Are we let's this, go. Are we going to this festival or not? Can we please go to this festival? Yes, let's go. Oh my god. Oh my god. Hi, Minnesota. <gasps> oh, you're so strong. Hey. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my god. You're so strong. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Brawny. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that's all I think about yes. is the paper towel guy. <laughs> oh god. I'm gonna put that next to my bed as I go to sleep at night. I'm just gonna stare at the brawny man. 
we are insane. Mm, and then the other thing I found funny was that on his LinkedIn, he still lists his time as mayor, like under experience. Aww. And he resigned for corruption, but it's uh, still there. But I say, you know, you know what? what are you he, do? he also did some good things. Listen, but it just made me laugh. But that's the story of the Stillwater Swindler, Mayor. Mayor, not Mary, Mayor <laughs> Ken Hariki. I got to tell you, I uh, I hate corruption. I hate this kind of shit that he was doing over there. But I, it says a lot for someone to stand up and be like, I fucked up. Yep. Here's all the things I did was wrong. Let me do my time. I'm yeah. going to come out and contribute to society yep. and c- continue to do my job. I, there's a lot to be said about that. I yes. have a lot of respect. How yes. many times have we come in here and someone's like, I'm not fucking resigning. Yeah. I didn't do no, anything no, no, wrong. No. And then you find tons of stuff about them and they have to be thrown out of office. They won't leave. They're up there as a corrupt asshole. Like not, you know. This guy stood up and said, all right, yes, hey, yo, I yes. did the wrong thing. He did the wrong thing. I mean, and, that's pretty good. And he's staying in his town. He's Yeah, like you said, he's contributing. And, yeah, I mean, come on. What are you going to do? And he's funny. I mean, God, he's oh flipping out. God. I mean, with that bridge sign alone. That is the <laughs> best thing I've ever fucking heard. I was laughing so hard. I was like, what? Federal government bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Can we put that on everything? Can we just also start? The, also, the show that comes into town, it was like, your bridge, everybody's going to die on this bridge. Yes. You know? I know that they were, they were pissed. Yeah. But that's why they ended up converting it into a pedestrian bike yeah. thing and having the new, and they did, so they finally did okay. actually build that other bridge. Good. And I mean, but million, this is what the, this is what um, people should be focusing on. Yes. In the government. Thank you. Right. Traffic Thank issues, public, safety. public issues, yeah. roads, bridges. Log, why and, is this log jammer festival with this disgusting name? Oh my name? God. And the bill, you know, I know it's the build back better, but that, that's going to make jobs across this country. So yeah. people go to work. Yeah. That's what you should be focused on. What can we do yeah. to put Americans back to work? Yeah. Come on. I know. Girl. But they want to get hung up on this garbage. Uh, you ready for my story? I'm, I got to tell you. Oh, I have not been excited about a story in so fucking long. Are you serious? I'm so (laughs) excited about the story. Okay. Hey, I'm Lauren. And I'm John. And we host the Beard Out Podcast, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest things in the world, beer and Beard Out. And a lot of other things. We're funny. Uh, Yeah, that's basically what I told him to say. Good job. I listen. Yay. Uh, But no, seriously, we try and pair a beer with a Weird Al song and talk about both things and go where the conversation takes us. It's fun. I promise. You'll like it. Yeah. I mean, if you like talking about random things as well as, you know, fine craft beers and some wonderful craft music. Craft music. I love it. But not craft singles. So far, this promo is going about as smoothly as one of our episodes. Absolutely. If this has enticed you in any way, please go to BeardOutPodcast.com. HTTP colon <laughs> slash slash www.BeardOutPodcast.com. I repeat, HTTP, if you want it to be, if you want it to be secure, HTTPS colon slash slash www.beardoutpodcast.com Bye! Bye. Okay. <clears throat> Are you ready? I am. Okay. All right, don't look at my screen. Okay. I'll look at the camera. Hey! <laughs> Today, I am covering activist... And world heavyweight champion. What? Muhammad Ali. (gasps) What? Wow. And his refusal (gasps) to be a part of the draft. Yes. This was huge. I had no idea. Obviously, I wasn't alive then. But it was a huge. Float like a butterfly. Sting sting like a bee. Yeah. Like, it was a huge story. Because it was in the 60s. He's a black athlete. Just like black athletes today, shit doesn't change. They're expected to shut the fuck up and and, 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 and perform. Give right? me a break. Yeah. So same thing here. He stood up. He got the same backlash as like a Colin Kaepernick with the Black Lives Ugh. Matter and all of it, like taking the knee. Same thing here. The Vietnam War was raging and everybody was like rah, rah, USA. 
it was very pro-war. You know, USA, we're at war. We got to support our troops yes. and all of these things. And then here's this very popular, yeah. you know, larger than life figure who was a bit of a sassy mouth, right? Like yes. to the press or whatever. But he was like, uh, he was an outrageous kind of character even. And he was beloved. And here he is being like, no fucking way. Like, it, I'm but not why should he have this. to? And a lot of people, it wasn't just him. Yeah. A, there were a lot of young people opposed to that war. Yeah. And there were a lot of, I'm sure, political people whose yeah. children were in college yeah. avoiding that war. Yes. Getting medical degrees mm. and getting, you know, law degrees that they probably wouldn't have gotten for if it wasn't for that war. Right. Because they had to stay in school a little bit longer, right? Yeah. Okay. So a little bit about his early life and early boxing. Um, <gasps> I'm so I, excited. Me too. I was so fucking stoked at this story. I was like, yes, and had no idea that this even happened. Oh, no I, idea. I, also, I'd like to tell. I'd like to say this. What's up, Barefoot Lobo? He loves Muhammad Ali, <gasps> and I was like, when I was doing this, I was like, man, Barefoot's gonna really love this fucking story. <gasps> yeah. So Barefoot. I hope you like it, Barefoot Lobo. Barefoot. All right. So Muhammad Ali was born Cassius Clay Jr., and yes. he was an American professional boxer, activist, and philanthropist. He was nicknamed the greatest. He is widely regarded as one of the most significant and celebrated sports figures of the 20th century and is frequently ranked as the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time. In 1999, he was named Sportsman of the Century by Sports <gasps> Illustrated and the Sports Personality of the Century by the BBC. He was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Shout out to Josh. My friend Josh is from <gasps> Louisville, Kentucky. Um, he began training as an amateur boxer at 12 years old and he grew up during segregation, right? Wow, so he Years old. Yeah, yeah. So Dang. he experienced a lot of racism in Kentucky. Ugh, his mother recalled. I can't imagine. Yeah. His mother recalled one occasion when he was denied a drink of water at a store. She said, quote, they wouldn't give him a one because of his color. And that really affected him. Right. So he's early, even early age. He's re he's growing up during this time when civil yes. rights is starting to. There's a spark there. It's yeah. starting to build and build and build. And it explodes finally as he's part of that. You know, can you I, I cannot imagine as a child, what that exclusion must do yeah. to a person. Yeah. He, um, he was also strongly affected by the 1955 murder of Emmett Till, which oh. led young Clay and a friend to take out their frustration by vandalizing a local rail yard. Good. Um, Good for you. He was first directed toward boxing by a Louisville police officer and boxing coach Joe E. Martin, who encountered the 12-year-old fuming over a thief's having taken his bicycle. He told the officer he was going to whoop that thief. <laughs> <laughs> and the officer told Clay he'd better learn how to box first. And initially, Clay did not take up Martin's offer, but after seeing amateur boxers on a local television program, boxing program called Tomorrow's Champions, Clay was interested in the prospect of fighting. Wow. Yeah. He then began to work with trainer Fred Stoner, whom he credits with giving him the, quote, real training, eventually molding uh, what he called, quote, my style, my stamina, and my system, end quote. Clay made his amateur boxing debut in 1954 against local amateur boxer Ronnie O'Keefe, and it was a split decision, but he went on to win six Kentucky Golden, Glo Golden Gloves titles, two National Golden Gloves titles, an Amateur Athletic Union National title, and the light heavyweight gold medal in the 1960 wow. Summer Olympics what? in Rome when he was only 18 years old. Clay's amateur record was 100 wins with five losses. In 1964, in Miami Beach, Ali, uh, Ali won his first heavyweight uh, title fight against Sonny Liston. Mm. He won the fight at the age of 22 and became the youngest person to ever win a heavyweight champion championship. Uh, and this made him a star, right? Like yeah. everyone knew who he was. It was a big deal. And of course, like I said, he was loud um, and brash and like in front of the press and he would say all those things. And a big thing about boxing was... Uh, you talk shit about your opponent like yeah. beforehand. You're like, oh, he's a you know he he would call somebody a bear. I forgot who it was. I don't know if it was Sonny Liston or Fred uh, um, uh, Frazier, but he would call them bears or like whatever. Like I'm gonna attack him. Like he would talk shit about them. I love like, it. Even at like the weigh in, which I always love. Like the you know the weigh in yes, when they get in front of the scales. I have not watched boxing, and they have to be like this close, time. you know, yeah. nose to nose, and they talk shit to each other. Oh, it's all, it, you know, it's so much fun. Ooh. So in 1961, he becomes a Muslim. And um, also that year, he renounced his birth name, the Clay, Cassius yeah. Clay, and he called it his slave name. And he now was going to be known as Muhammad Ali. He became um, friendly with the Nation of Islam uh, uh, with Malcolm X. Yep. And um, because of this association and how uh, people regarded the Nation of Islam and Malcolm X, who was also very clear about how he feels about race relations and things like that, uh, you know, white America can't fucking handle it. And so 
because of the association, the World Boxing Association starts to distance themselves from Muhammad Ali, and he goes with some other promoters, but they wouldn't allow him to participate in boxing matches, right? And he had to travel to Canada oh. and Europe. Oh, because he, he had that connection? Yes. What? Yes. Yes. I, th- I hate... I just... <laughs> I it know. never ends. I know. So he ended up going to Canada and Europe to do fights, but you have to have a boxing license yeah. to fight here. So yeah, that was a problem. So let's get into uh, what happens with Vietnam and this draft refusal, which is really what the, the muck kind of connection yes. is. Yes. I have to do some sort of connection. But I think no, it's this legit. Is huge. Yeah. Totally, right? Okay. So he registered for the conscription uh, United States military, which is the draft. In 18, it's the law that anybody yeah, who's yeah. A, a male here has to, uh, at, on his 18th birthday, has to enlist. And he was listed as 1A in 1962. So 1A classification means you're available for unrestricted military service. It's <gasps> like you have no uh, handicaps. You can see oh, great. Your body's, oh, you're okay. healthy. Like you can go and you're do just, anything. You're just the person they want. Yes, you can do anything. So in 1964, he was reclassified as 1Y, which was fit for service only in times of national emergency because of who he was. Oh, okay. So after he failed, that's the, interesting. So certain people can have the yeah. reclassification because yeah. of who they are. Well, because and also he failed the U.S. So so they went in. They're like, he can't go. Blah blah blah. They're like, well, let's test him. So they give him a test for writing and spelling skills, and they were substandard. And they they realized he had dyslexia, and so like, okay, we can we can reclassify him this way. But he was trying to get out before that. Okay, right. Um. And he said, quote, I said I was the greatest, not the smartest. (laughs) You know what? He's still smart. Just because he's dyslexic doesn't mean he's not smart. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, as the the Army's concerned, now you're one Y. Good. Which, by the way, please put me in a fucking category. Wait, what's another category where you never go at all? What's that one? One, get me the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one. That's the category I need. So, but by early 1966, the army lowered its standards to permit, to permit soldiers above the 15th percentile. And Ali, Ali was again classified as 1A because we're running out of soldiers. I know, people are dying. We got to, no, now we got to bring children every, yeah, are dying. Now we got to bring everybody Young in. men are dying. Oh my God. Fucking waste of, oh, <sighs> waste. So this classification meant he was now eligible for the draft and induction into the U.S. Army at a time when the U.S. was involved in the Vietnam War, a war which put him further at odds with the white establishment. When notified of this status, Ali declared that he would refuse to serve in the Army and publicly considered himself a conscientious objector. Ali stated, quote, war is against the teachings of the Quran. I am not trying to dodge the draft. We are not supposed to take part in no wars unless declared by Allah or the messenger. We don't take part in Christian wars or wars of any unbelievers, end quote. Okay. Um, That's his right. Yeah. And he also said, quote, we are not to be the aggressor, but we will defend ourselves if attacked. Man, I ain't got no quarrel with them Viet Cong, end quote. Then he said, I love these quotes, I'm sorry. No, read them all. Why should they ask me to put on a uniform and go 10,000 miles from home and drop bombs and bullets on brown people in Vietnam while so-called Negro people in Louisville are treated like dogs and denied simple human rights, end quote. I mean, he's not wrong at all. Yeah. He's not wrong at all. And they're using these soldiers to destroy yeah. You know what well, I mean? And to fight a war that, that they don't believe in. And that they're, that we, we weren't going to win. Right. On April 28th, 1967, Ali appeared in Houston for his scheduled induction into the U.S. Armed Forces. <gasps> but he refused three steps, three times to step forward when his name was called. Good. An officer warned him that he was committing a felony punishable <gasps> by five years in prison and a fine of $10,000. Once more, Ali refused to budge when his yes. name was called and he was arrested. Good for you. Dude, goosebumps, <gasps> right? Me, I'm yeah. covered. Yeah. I mean, he's sacrificing his entire career. For what's right. That's right. That's For what's huge, right. Fucking huge. And then imagine that impact on people who love yes. Muhammad Ali yes. and they're like, okay, look what he's doing. Yes. I'm going to do it too. Or, yeah. you know, you and need this, someone to stand tide, up. You and need tide, someone to stand yes, up. And the tide had not turned against Vietnam. So we're still sitting in a country that was like, go soldiers. We love our soldiers. Oh, this is and before he was, everyone flipped yes, out. Yes, this is before Ooh. people were like, why the fuck are we in Vietnam? He was like, good. Before that. Good. Incredible to take a stand like that. Yes. So uh, later that same day, the New York State Athletic Commission suspended his boxing license and Ugh. stripped him of his title. 
Other <gasps> boxing commission commissions followed suit. Ali remained unable to obtain a license to box in any state for over three years. On June 4th, 1967, in a first for sports professionals, a group of high-profile pro- African-American athletes assembled at the Negro Industrial Economic Union in Cleveland for a, quote, Muhammad Ali summit, end quote. <gasps> now, I have a picture of this. What? I have a picture of this. It'll be I on our Instagram. I never heard of the Muhammad notes. Ali summit. It's so fucking amazing, but you should see all of these <gasps> athletes in this picture. Oh. It is incredible. Um, so the meeting was organized by Jim Brown, who of course was some sort of football star. I don't know. He played something for football for his peers to question Ali about the seriousness of his convictions and to decide whether to support him, which they ultimately did. Of course. At the trial on June 20th, 1967, the jury found Ali guilty after only 21 minutes of deliberation of the criminal offense of violating the selective service laws by refusing to be drafted. Okay. So he's guilty. Oh, well. Yeah. After a court of appeals upheld the conviction, the case was reviewed by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1971. Wow. Can you believe this? Wow. Fucking amazing. Ali remained free in the years between the appellate court decision and the Supreme Court ruling as public opinion began turning people against the war and the civil rights movement continued to gather momentum. Ali became a popular speaker at colleges and universities (gasps) across the country. This is giving me goosebumps too. Yeah. At Howard University, for example, he gave his popular quote black, er, it's called the black is best speech to 4,000 students and community intellectuals after he was invited to speak by sociology professor Nathan Hare on behalf of the black power committee, a a student protest group. Um, On June 28th, 1971, the Supreme court of the United States in, Clay versus the United States overturned Ali's conviction oh, by unanimous eight whoop, to zero whoop, whoop. decision. Oh, when things were different. <laughs> Justice, um, oh, Justice Thurgood Marshall recused himself as he had been the U.S. Solicitor General at the time of Ali's conviction, oh. which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, the decision was not based on, nor did it address the merits of Ali's, Ali's claims per se. Rather, the court held that since the appeal board gave no reason for the denial of a conscientious conscientious objector exemption to Ali that it was therefore impossible to determine determine which is which of the three basic tests for conscientious conscientious objector status um so they oh. offered you know what I mean the, so they offered okay. the appeal board to, re- to rely on and they just they didn't reverse it they were like you're good I guess because you could be like what a student yeah yeah whatever it's overturned he doesn't get convicted his conviction's good wow yeah and then Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I was going to say the impact of what, yeah. of doing this. So it, it, his example inspired many black Americans and others. However, initially when he refused induction, um, he became arguably the most hated man in the country <gasps> and received many death threats. No! People who supported Ali during this time were also threatened. So including sports journalist Jerry Eisenberg, whose columns defended Ali's decision not to serve. He wrote, quote, quote, Bomb threats emptied our office, making the staff stand out in the snow. My car windshield was smashed with a sledgehammer because of this, because of supporting Ali. The New York Times columnist Williams Roden, uh, I'm sorry, William Roden wrote, quote, Ali's actions changed my standard of what constituted, no, that's not right. Constituted? Constituted. Thank you, Tina. Ali's (laughs) actions changed my standard of what constituted an athlete's greatness. Possessing a killer jump shot or the ability to stop on a dime was no longer enough. What were you doing for the liberation of your people? What were you doing to help your country live up to the covenant of its founding principles? Oh, goosebumps. Low. Recalling Ali's Ali's anti-war position, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, quote, I remember the teachers at my high school didn't like Ali because he was so anti-establishment and he kind of thumbed his nose at authority and got away with it. Good. The the fact that he was proud to be a black man and that he had so much talent made some people think that he was dangerous. But for those for those reasons, I enjoyed him. End quote. (gasps) Civil rights figures came to believe that Ali had an energizing effect on the freedom movement as a whole. Al Sharpton spoke of his bravery at a time when there was still widespread support for Vietnam, the Vietnam War. He said, quote, for the heavyweight champion of the world who had achieved the highest level of of athletic celebrity to put all of that on the line, the money, the ability to get endorsements, to sacrifice all of that for a cause gave a whole sense of legitimacy to the movement and the the causes with young people that nothing else could have done. Even those who were assassinated certainly um 
lost their lives, but they didn't voluntarily do that. He knew that he was going to jail and did it anyway. Wow. That's another level of leadership and sacrifice. Oh, end quote. goosebumps. Yes. Ali was honored with the Mar- annual Martin Luther King Jr. Oh. Uh, award in 1970 by civil rights leader Ralph Abernathy, who called him, quote, a living example of soul power, the March <gasps> on Washington in two fists. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> I love that. In speaking of the cost of Ali's career, of his refusal to be drafted, his trainer, Angelo Dundee, said, quote, one thing must be taken into account when talking about Ali. He was robbed of the best years, his prime years, end quote. Wow. Right? Yeah. So he does but, end up. Re- but I mean, how selfless is that? It's incredible. Because so many people, they just want to chase that money. They yeah. want to chase the dollar. Yes. And he doesn't. Yeah. He He's had, doing what's he right. Was, grew He's doing up what's in right. segregation. Like yeah. this was somebody who was ripe to like stand up and be a leader. Yes. Whether he was a boxer or not, at some point he was going to be a leader in the civil rights movement. It just wow. so happened that he was like this world famous boxer wow. when it actually came to And using came that to pass. platform and using it's that incredible. platform. It's incredible. <sighs> So um, he ends up returning to boxing in the 1970s and was thrilled and thrilled the world with some of the most famous boxing matches of all time, especially with his main nemesis, Joe Frazier. He fought Frazier in fights. I love the name of these fights. I thought you would like this. He fought Frazier in fights dubbed the fight of the century and the thriller in Manila. Ooh, I remember that. (laughs) He also fought George Foreman in a fight called the rumble in the jungle. Oh, hey, hey. Um, And of course he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 1984. And that was a result of the boxing. Of yes. just being hit. Severe and, yeah, brain and damage. And that's the thing too. Like these athletes. Oh my God. No one is it. protecting them. No. You know? And it's like, it's wonderful to like watch the power. Yes. Because he was powerful. Oh my God. But at the same time, like people not realizing the inherent damage that's being mm-hmm. done. And then they want to use... Like they're still using black athletes today yes. for money. Yes. Right. Not and, com- and no not coverage think, for their brain damage. And later not on. thinking about the the future impact and not compensating yeah. or or giving anything for that. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it's a he shame. also works. It's a shame. It is, and he, that's he, a, such a sad disease. When he was diagnosed, he immediately came out with like Michael J. Fox yes. and became a huge advocate. Would go in front of Congress and testify, Ugh. try to get funding for this disease. Like he was very much involved in all of that. Um, but it did lead to the gradual decline of his health. Yes. He was hospitalized in Scottsdale, Arizona, on June second, two thousand sixteen, with a respiratory uh-huh. illness, and it was initially described as fair, like he would be okay, but it kind of worsened, and. He died the following day in the, at the age of 74 from septic shock. Okay, the battery died. It missed the last sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're fine. She want to... Let's just end the podcast. <laughs> and the end will be, that's the end of the video. Yes. So if you're listening to this like a normal fucking person <laughs> does to the audio of a fucking podcast... <laughs> And you're not on YouTube. Congratulations. Oh. You get to hear the end of this fucking podcast. Oh, my God. If you went to YouTube and you missed the last fucking three minutes, go fuck yourself yes. and listen to the audio. You should be downloading the shit. We yes. need your download numbers. We need numbers. your downloads. I don't what know your doing? views on fucking what are YouTube. We doing? God damn it, Tina. I'm going to put a note. Please go to the podcast. <laughs> to fucking hear the rest. To hear it's the last incredible. sentence. There was one sentence yeah. left. Yeah. One well, sentence. Fuck it. I mean, what am I doing? This is like, and I kind of—is it always my story? I feel like it's always my fucking story. It's like the beginning, it's or the end. <laughs> fucking incredible! I was so excited. The story. Oh I want to jump out the fucking. Window oh my god! Now. And I'm looking at the camera as if wait, someone could fucking see week, me. Wait, but last week was it your story? Last week it had to be my story because I was second, right? Yeah, it was my story. It was my entire story was oh cut out. Oh my! Oh, that's right. <laughs> it was me like this. Yeah. <laughs> Frozen in time. Fuck this. Oh, you know what? God. I don't even care. <laughs> and you know what? The worst oh, part Oh, wait. Is- I said like this, staring at the camera that is dead. The battery's yeah. dead. My arms were outstretched. Yeah. Like and you- I was mid-sentence. Yeah. That's when it froze. Yeah. Now we're having to describe what we're physically doing <laughs> because there's no camera in front of us. But here's the thing, too, is like, you, Tina, who never wears fucking makeup, right? And I'm always like, doll the fuck up for yeah. no reason whatsoever to go to the grocery store. Tina's, she's a hippie, y'all. She's like, no makeup. I don't uh, need it. She shows up today, full makeup, gorgeous. Uh, you're always gorgeous. Always uh, gorgeous. You have beautiful skin. She full, we're putting on makeup on a Saturday I know. What are we doing? For YouTube. And the camera doesn't work. <laughs> so next week, I'm going to wear no makeup, a baseball hat, and be like, fuck this. And yes, the camera's going to work gonna, perfectly. It'll be perfect. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look and I'm going to have to research how long is the full charge. Oh, my God. 
But for a GoPro because we have a GoPro. Know, we have a, a GoPro. Camera. We were so excited. It looked great. We could see it. Everything yes. was working. And, and I think the only flaw <sighs> here in this, um, in the case, is mm-hmm. that the case doesn't allow the charge to happen because it would be At nice to time. be able to charge yeah. while it's in the tripod. Yeah. Well, that's a huge flaw with yeah. GoPro. What's the deal with this? With it, whatever this case is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but we're, ha- we're happy with GoPro. I mean, we'll see if Listen, we're happy with it. It looks great. I yeah, mean, I, think it, I think it'll look good. And and there was a lot of time where, and I had, there were two phone calls. Yeah. So I think all of that stuff Ay like vey. took away the time in the beginning. We're oh like adjusting God. and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to see how much time is It's like out. on the job training really yeah. with this camera. We're it's learning. unfortunate that other we're people learning. have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <gasps> um, I wanted to see, tell you, like I had to send somebody your contact information. I don't know if he ever got a hold of you this week, but I sent, oh. somebody had asked me for your contact information. And so I sent oh, them. Oh, he did. He did. Okay. Yes. Um, so I sent him. Um, he's so sweet. He's a sweet angel. Oh my God. It's very, very nice. He asked me for your information and I said, well, so I just sent your contact and it says Tina Murderino. <laughs> He's like, that's an interesting name. And I was like, oh, that's because when I met oh. Tina, I didn't know her from anybody else. And I was just like, this is the girl that I met who's a Murderino. Oh and so God. I put it in my phone as that. And I it's still, love it's still like that. that. I know. I thought that was so funny. Aww. I know. <gasps> so let's end this bitch before All we right. and, and get a huge, my big, my, my new thing right now is like, give me a big drink. Like we need a big drink yes right now after this fucking yes. gopro stuff god damn it listen we'll figure it I'm out so sorry i feel like and it's all my equipment that keeps failing oh please please we're doing the best we can here it'll be fine oh god a little at a time oh, we are god. learning we are oh, learning Lord. we are learning and i don't know if it was fully fully charged because it still had the red light so maybe mm. i have to just make sure it's a hundred percent charged okay and this is better than the phone i mean this is gonna yes be fun. and we can and we control got, it we got 99.9 of it yes <laughs> So we're better than last week. We're yeah. doing better than last week. We are. So fuck it. <laughs> Forgive us. Father, for we have sinned. Ooh. It's been 40 years since my last confession. Oh my God. Ooh, that church doesn't want me in there. No. No, please. Girl. Get us um, all out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I will see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.